Hey friends, you're listening to the Difference Makers Podcast, and I'm your host, Jamie Mullins. On each monthly episode, we'll have a guest that will give us a peek into what it looks like for them to be a difference maker, a leader in the places God has given them influence. My hope is that it leaves you encouraged to use your gifts, passions, and story to make a difference right where you are. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to this conversation. I'm so excited that today we have a difference maker that is part of the Cross Timbers family but is doing ministry overseas. His name's Brian Brewer, and I asked him right before we started this conversation, Brian, what is it exactly that you do with Underground Coffee? And he said, well, I'm the founder, I'm the director, I'm the coffee hole digger, I'm the project manager, and so he is all of the things with an organization called Underground Coffee, and I'm super excited to have you on today just to talk about what God's doing there and and how how you got to this place where you are now you are partnering with farmers to bring the hope of the gospel to the country that you're in. So welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Thanks. Super excited to to have you. So I guess what where I like to start the conversation is kind of the story before the story. So obviously your family, you are now Married. You're, yes, yep. married. married, and then uh, we've got one son, Carter. He's five and a half. He's very big on that and a oh, half. A half. Uh-huh. Yes, he corrected me the other day. Yesterday, <laughs> he corrected me. <laughs> nice. So, uh, yeah, he's a lot of fun. He is all go all the time. He's all boy. Mm-hmm. So he loves where we are. He loves running around out in the village. He loves running around in the jungle. He's got nice. a treehouse. So, yeah. Oh, he's, that's so fun. He's a five-year-old Tarzan most of the time. So, yeah. Very cool. So your family, and then how... So rewind a little bit. We were talking before we started about the fact that even before Underground Coffee, you were involved with partnering with farmers. And what, what country did you say you were in? Uh, we were in China. So okay. yeah, I was there for about two years and we worked up in the Himalayan mountains, up mm. close to Tibet. And we would go out and we would do agricultural consulting to get to know some of the village leaders there. And we would partner with them to do different projects, whether it was chickens or pigs or corn and one of the projects we did was coffee. And mm. so we'd go out there and we'd help see if we could do these coffee test plots, which come to find out where you can't, like where we were, you can't grow it. It's too oh, cold. Wow. So they all froze and died. But oh. that's why you do test plots. That's right. Uh, so we, we did that. And as we were doing it, we sat down and we talked to people and we saw a lot of open doors for relationships, for getting to share the gospel. And then also we sat down and looked at the economics of it. We realized, hey, we could do something relating to missions and coffee that can also be sustainable. Mm. So we decided to start Underground Coffee back in about 2011. Yeah, 2011. So the heart behind it, I'm just people can, can people go check out your website first? Yes, so they can, so they can go check out the website. It's undergroundcoffee.org. Yeah. Awesome. So it, just in me reading about it, you guys are partnering with these local farmers, but the, the heart behind it is to bring, obviously, the hope of the gospel to yeah. these communities. So how were you able to, to partner coffee with, I mean, I love coffee. Like I can, you can, I will preach all day long that you can experience the goodness of the Lord in a good cup of coffee. But how did you, how are you able to make the connection between I'm coming to help you with this plot and then introducing the gospel and especially in a country where it's not really open? Yeah. We, we live in a place where you can't openly be a missionary. So you, you come and you work. I mean, all the pastors there are bivocational. Everybody has an outside job. They're just not employed by the church because there's no way they could be. Like, there's mm-hmm. not enough money. Churches are usually 10, 15, 20 people. Wow. Uh, so, so they're all, most of those guys, it's a rural country. Most people are farmers. And where we are, a lot of them are coffee farmers. So we go and we started a coffee business there. 
uh, with the goal of being able to, one, we're able to employ a, lot, a few of these pastors mm-hmm. who they need to be able to make a good living. Um, there's a lot of people who want to go to these villages, but at the same time, you're looking at basically having to be a subsistence farmer. Um, and they will, and they do, and they go to those places. But for us, we can give them a good job, so that yeah. employs them. And then we're able to help spread good coffee genetics to a lot of the farmers there and good techniques, which means we can basically double their income. Wow. So they're happy about that. And then if we produce good enough coffee, we're able to export it here to the U.S. and tie into a quality market, which makes us money so that we can be sustainable as a ministry. That's so, so yeah. cool. So on the ministry side of things, what are you guys seeing? How are you seeing God move? Because obviously, just even starting this ministry required a lot of faith, stepping out in faith for resources, yeah. for provision, for safety, for all of those things. So, and we'll talk about that a little bit more in a minute, but stepping out in faith, how are you seeing God move? It, what are you most excited about right now? We, we're seeing a lot of things. Probably the thing that I'm the most excited about is we've started a seedling sharing program. So mm-hmm. last year, about this time, we were doing a lot of surveying and we were just saying, okay, what kind of coffee is in our area? Um, and random tangent, sorry. Yeah, that's great. So coffee's, the industry's changed a lot in the last 15 years. So coffee just used to be coffee, right? Like you go to a <laughs> diner and you get coffee and now there's a, a quality dynamic to it where uh-huh. you can go to higher end coffee shops and you get these really nice, very unique, hey, I'm drinking a natural processed yellow bourbon from Ethiopia or whatever. So <laughs> there's, exactly. <laughs> so there's this quality dynamic to it. And what we noticed in where we are is people were still set up to do that old style of coffee. So uh-huh. it was very much just, you produce a lot at a very low amount and you can make a living. But the farmers where we are, they've all got small plots of land. It's all seven, eight, 10 acres. Mm-hmm. And there's just no way that they can make a living off of that. So what we started doing is we, we looked around and we noticed, hey, if we distribute better coffee genetics, we can, we can do that. So we started distributing out seedlings last year. We distributed out 10,000 seedlings to farmers. Wow. Uh, so we partnered up with 10 different families. And a lot of that that's involved is going and doing surveying and figuring out what do people have and who's interested in planting coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, and so our farm manager, who's also the village pastor, and our assistant farm manager, who's one of the leaders in the church, wow. they go around and they interview all of the farmers and they say, hey, you know, would you be interested in this? And then once they get the coffee, it's follow-up. So once a month, at least, they go by and they visit with everybody. Hey, how's your coffee doing? Do you have any problems with your coffee? Hey, how's your family doing? Do you have any problems with your family? Hey, is there anything that we can pray for you for? Mm. And just those continued relationships hopefully leads to them being able to share the gospel. So yeah, last year we partnered up and we did 10,000 seedlings. In about another month and a half, we're going to do about another 20,000 seedlings. So that's what the guys are busy doing right now is going and visiting with people and getting in homes. Um, and everybody in the village loves it because the the seedlings don't cost them anything. We just kind of said, hey, we'll give you a thousand seedlings this year. Uh-huh. And then in three to four years when your coffee produces, you just give us back 2000. So really all it costs them is dirt and labor. Wow. Because uh, they were like, well, we'd have to buy it anyway. So yeah. this is free. Um, so yeah, it works out really well. So they're excited about it. We're excited about it. And, and they own the coffee. So they can they know they can sell it to whoever. We're not obligated to buy it. They're not obligated to sell it to us. So yeah. So when did you feel the call to become a missionary? I mean, I think some people, I know even my husband, he used to say, man, if there's like, I'll do anything for you, Lord, but don't call me to be a missionary overseas. And now he's go, he goes to Uganda like three or four times a year and he loves it. So tell me about the, when you felt that call to international missions. Yeah. um, I wish I had one of those Damascus road, Mm -hmm. lightning bolt, God audibly speaking kind of calls, but it, it really wasn't. It was a gradual, 
you know, taking a step by step by step and, hey, you know what, I feel like I'm going to go to China this summer and I'm going to spend a summer there and, okay, yeah, this may be something that I could do. And then there's an opportunity to go for a couple years. Okay, yeah, let's try that out and kind of see. And then whenever you're there, you're like, hey, you know what, I could do this more longer term. Um, And so I, I feel like it was that, it was step by step, gentle pulling and growing into that. Whereas if you would have told me, 10 years ago, this is what you're going to be doing, I would have freaked out and said, no, there's no way. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I wish there would have been that. I can point to this exact moment, but it's one of those, as I look back on experiences and praying through things and just seeing God open up doors, right. one thing leads to... And you know, we weren't even planning on being where we are. We were planning on being in another country, had all that set up, and then we talked to the guys that were going to work alongside, and they're like, oh, hey, we're all going to different places and splitting up. Oh, so, my goodness. So we're like, oh, okay. Okay. And through <laughs> that circumstance, we ended up where we are. But looking back on it, we, we couldn't have planned it any better. Isn't that amazing? You know, I, I, I hear often, I, haven't, I never had the Damascus Road experience myself either, but I think people are waiting for that, mm-hmm. like that loud, audible, this is what I want you to do. And so I think it's super encouraging for people to hear I didn't have that. Like I just took no. one step at a time and just watched for how, where was God moving? How was he directing? Because really like all we're called to do is take what he's given us mm-hmm. and use it wherever, wherever he's given us. Yeah. And, and you know, you look back on it and if I would have been waiting on that experience, I'd still be waiting. Yeah. But you look back on where you are and you're like, how did I, how did I get here? Mm-hmm. And you look back and you say, okay, well, God did this and God did this. And so here I am. Um, but yeah, I don't know that it was anything that was consciously planned out. There's a lot, you know, it's kind of like, I know where I'm going, but I don't know the exact road on how I'm getting there. And then God just guides you there. So So what are some of the biggest challenges that you are facing at this moment? And it just as a leader, even like, right. Um, we, you know, there's there's so much one, one is figuring out the system of how things are done. Uh, they, they do things differently there. I mean, the government runs completely differently Mm -hmm. there. It's a very corrupt. So you got to learn, okay, how do I get this done? I, w- I was just telling somebody a minute ago, it took us just, we got our electricity set up about two years ago, mm. and we just finally got our first electric bill two and a half years later <laughs> because the electric company was too busy, like, trying to exit, you know, take bribes from us and get everything set up. So even just that was a two and a half year process just to get an electric wow. bill. Just to get an electric bill. So, so there's those kind of things that are always, you know, I, I basically, I walk into just different problems every day. So that's really all we do is just solve solve problems, solve problems, solve problems. How are we going to get around this? How do we do this? How do we figure this out? So that that's probably the biggest challenge is that you never really know what you're going to walk into that day. Oh, hey, our neighbor decided he was going to burn his field to get ready for planting and the fire got out of control and it burned down, you know, part of our coffee field and our fence. And oh, by the way, his mom goes to church with us and his family goes to church with us. So how do we handle this? Yeah. You know, and, and there's this coffee farmer who doesn't really have any money, but at the same time, you need to like talk to him and get it sorted out. And how do you show grace? And yeah, so I don't know. So in the middle of those challenges, it sounds like it's probably day to day. Like Mm -hmm. what, what am I walking into today? In the middle of those, what is, what is your source of encouragement? Like how do you stay encouraged to continue on take? Cause like you said, like this isn't necessarily where you plan to be, but you're just going to continue to be faithful to step into whatever God has ahead of you whatever challenge might be. So, so how do you stay encouraged to continue on? I, I think some of it is we were, we didn't end up where we thought we were going to be, but the place where we ended up being, we love it more. The, the people where we are very easy to love. The culture is very easy to love. 
it, it's a it's a great place to be. Mm-hmm. So that that helps. Uh, but at the same time, whenever those are those frustrations, you still have that calling of I know this is where I'm supposed to be. And I, and I remember learning about that back in seminary back in the day. We had this calling class, and they were talking about what what does calling mean? Yeah. What does that even look? And right? some I mean, there's a lot of talk about that that we could you know you could write books on that. Uh, but one of the things they said was there's a lot of times in ministry where the only thing that ha- you have that's keeping you going is knowing that God has placed me here. Yeah. And I know that, so I'm going to weather this storm and I'm going to keep riding it out. And so I think there are those days where you're like, what am I doing? This is, this is hard. Uh, this is not what we signed up for. But you hold on to that. Okay, there is something better. There is a promised land. There is, even though we're wandering through the wilderness, yeah. at some point we're going to get there. Um, and I, th- I think God has done a great job with us of, I mean, he, he's shown us enough where you can look back and you say, well, he was faithful here and he was faithful yeah. here and he was faithful here. So should I really be doubting him on this mm-hmm. new thing? Uh, and I, yeah, th- I take encouragement in that on being able to look back and see historically what he's done in my own life to know, okay, this is, I can, I can ride this out. And like, he's proven that he knows what he's doing. That's good. Are there any specific disciplines, anything that you and your wife do that helps you to grow either as a leader, as a business leader, ministry leader, anything that helps you guys together as a couple or just you as an individual? Yeah, we we try to, you know, we'll talk through things and we'll talk through, hey, what are our plans for this? What's going on? Uh, one of the things that we try to do especially is just go and be a part of the church together. Uh, we'll go to the village and we'll spend time there. We'll go to the village and just trying to be a part of the ministry together. I mean, she's also got her own things going on and yeah. she's got, you know, a life and things to do, uh, especially when it comes to wrangling our wild and crazy <laughs> five and a half year old. <laughs> but we do, we try to make those those times of being able to go out and just spend time together in the village, which is, you know, an hour away from where we live. Wow. So we try, I travel there every day to and from. Um, but for them to be able to get up there and see that as well, uh, because that is, whenever you're up there and you can say, okay, this is, this is part of what God is doing together through us. And yeah. it really does. It t- it's teamwork makes the dream work. Like I couldn't be there if she wasn't there and she wasn't together in this with me. So, yeah. That's so good. So um, talk about the journey for like God providing a way for you guys to be there. And then even now, part of what I want to talk about is that there's people listening today that they may not be called to another country to go sure. and start a ministry, but that God has put it on their heart to support a ministry like sure. Underground Coffee. So like, how can people play a part? But then also, like, what does that look like for you guys day to day, the financial side of The financial side of it? Yeah. <laughs> so so we were here. Uh, and, you know, right after I got back from from living and working in China, knew that God was kind of calling me. I didn't, I didn't want to be done with that part of ministry. I still wanted to be involved some with work overseas, and I didn't know what that would look like. I was, I was all about going back. Yeah. Uh, but I was also started dating my wife, got engaged, got married, um, and then we'd been married a little over a year, and then we had a baby. So a lot of things very, very quickly in yeah. succession, and wanting to go overseas, but not really knowing what that looked like, how to get there. Uh, but kind of being open to that and knowing. And then God did. He called us out. I, I believe he called us out to go through a set of circumstances. We were able to basically go around and fundraise. And over a matter of about six months, we did. We up and moved. So there was a lot of change. Six months. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So you can. So from you, the point that you guys got engaged to. The, the time we got engaged, let's see, that would have been January 
2012, and then we moved May 2014, I think. So yeah, there's a lot of there was a lot of change, and there were <laughs> there were a couple moves to different houses in between there, and changing jobs, and yeah, there was all kinds of things. So it was it was yeah, we basically hit all those life stressors all compacted into about uh-huh. a few months, wow. basically. Uh, but we did. We we went, and it was it was one of those things too, where when we first went. Uh, I've got a board of directors that I report to, mm-hmm. and we we really did. We went around and we fundraised, and we basically had enough money to be there. We kind of said, okay, we have about half as much raised to support us to be there as we need, but we won't run out of money for about a year. And we felt like God was calling us to go, and they were like, let's just go and let's see what happens. Yeah. We feel like God's calling you to go. So we did. Um, and, yeah, the money never ran out. So <laughs> Isn't that It's like it, the, the, when the oil, the jar of oil. Exactly. Like you, just keep, you keep on giving and he's... You don't know keep... how it gets there, but yes. it, it, always, it always does. So, yeah, through that, we were able to go. And, and one of the things that I love about our ministry and being small is the guys that... The board of directors that I report to, they all know us personally. Mm. Um, that We don't have a million projects going on. They know exactly what our situation is and, and how that fits our family best. So... Moving overseas with a nine, ten month old when we did, you know, we, we couldn't be there for four or five years straight. Right. Like grandparents would not be okay with that. No. You leave with a nine month old and you show up with a four year old, they're not gonna be cool with that. Uh-huh. So so for us we decided, why don't we come back every year and we can spend time with family for a couple months and then we'll go back and uh, it's actually been a very good rhythm for us. Mm-hmm. It requires a little bit more planning and okay, where are we gonna stay? What are we gonna drive? All those kinds of things. But it also gives us a chance to come and connect and get to do things like this, which yeah. I love, um, and getting to reconnect and see people and fundraise too. So, you know, with us and and who we work with, you know, I'm basically the only one, there's another guy from another Southeast Asian country, but everybody else is local. Mm -hmm. So none of those guys have the opportunity to raise any money. So that's one of the things that I get to do whenever I come home. So I run around and connect with churches and pastors and get to tell, which is fun. I I always kind of dreaded it at first, but now it's become fun because it's, Hey, let me tell you stories about what we are together doing and, um, it's a it's a lot of fun whenever you know. Hey, you've been on this journey with us, so let me catch you up. Let me That's tell you so what's been cool. going on. So it's been a lot of fun, yeah. So tell me, you you were talking about going around and visiting with with pastors and stuff. Tell me your favorite story from the last few months. From the last few, or months. even the last year. Let's see. Um, there's there's a few that are probably good. So one of the guys that we work with, uh, he is our assistant farm manager, and gotten to know him quite well. Uh, he works with us every day now. But when we first met him, you know, we do, we do a lot of day labor stuff. So cleaning, you know, cleaning weeds, digging holes, um, and there's no machinery where we are really. So there's no tractor. So everything's done by hand. So during a given week, we may have 40 villagers come in three, four days a week, and they're just, you know, hoeing weeds with machetes and hoes, yeah. basically. Uh, but we noticed there was this one guy, and he was a very hard worker, and he, he would always, he was a lot of fun to hang out with. So I got to know his story. And asked and said, hey, you know, so, so where is he from? What's going on? And they're like, well, he, he's actually, he's a Christian. He's a believer. I'm like, really? Mm-hmm. Well, how come he doesn't come to, you know, our village church out there? And they said, oh, well, you know, I kind of asked him about it and talked to him. He said, well, my, my wife's from this village and her father doesn't like Christians. He doesn't approve. And he basically said, as long as you live in my house, because they were living with their in-laws, which is kind of the custom, as long as you're living in my house, you can't, you can't go to church. I don't want you mm-hmm. to go to church. So talked to him a little bit and he said, you know, I'd really like to raise up enough money to where I can build my own house and get out of here. So we said, Hey, why don't we, you want to come work with us? So we hired him on part-time and he built this, this bamboo hut. I mean, your thatch bamboo, you know, tin roof kind of thing, 
but it's his. And, and now he lives there. And since that point, he's been able to, he comes, he leads, he leads worship at the church, um, which is good. I mean, (laughs) sometimes he's on key sometimes, but it's, for some reason there, it's not like a big deal. Like the music goes together. The music doesn't go together, whatever. And now he started playing the keyboard, which he doesn't know how to play the keyboard, but he plays the keyboard (laughs) and everybody loves that too. So um, at least I think they do. I don't know. So he's been doing that, and he's been leading in that. So we've seen him just grow leaps and bounds. And and during our during our week, one thing we do is we do meeting Mondays mm-hmm. where we sit down and we kind of talk through our week. And we also do a Bible study where we each rotate around, and one of the five of us will lead that week. Uh, so he's grown in leading a Bible study through that. But then also we'll do uh, prayer time, and we'll just, hey, w- what's going on this week? What's going on with your family? What can we pray for? And every week... His prayer is, pray for my wife, pray for my wife. She's not a Christian. I want her to go to church. I want her to hear the gospel. Pray for my wife, pray for my wife. Uh, and it was, it, was, it was a hard thing for the last year, year and a half. This has been his prayer. Uh, so, so come to find out during this last fall, we had a new village leader in our village, and his father-in-law got elected to be the new village leader, which caused a little bit of tension. Like, he's a little hostile to Christians in the church. Like, is this going to be okay? Yeah. Uh, but he actually, he came to the, the church Christmas celebration and sat through that and oh, heard the gospel. Wow. Uh, his son got married and he came over and he invited us to go to the wedding. I think it was so that his, his son-in-law could get time off to go, but he was like, why don't you guys come too? And we're like, okay. okay. So we got to sit around and got to know him a little bit. And then after that, uh, we actually, we bought some of their coffee this last year, which, which helped because they made double their income on that. So that, that was a good thing. But this last year, his wife, my, my buddy's wife that we work with, she started coming to church. Wow. So she's, she's becoming involved in a Bible study, and we're just excited about that. So, yeah. That's incredible. And just to, like, to think back, even the beginning of your journey, not knowing exactly how God was right. going to move, what He was going to do, but now to get to hear stories like that, that through coffee, through buying coffee, through right. growing coffee, God is providing opportunities for people who might not ever get the oppor- opportunity to hear about Him through some coffee. So that's incredible. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, to, to look back and say, okay, this is, this is what we're doing. This has come a long way. So yeah. Very cool. So for the people who are listening today, those who are stepping out and starting to use their gifts, their passions, their story to make a difference in the places God's given them influence, what would be one piece of advice that you would give them as they're stepping into the things that God's calling them to do? Uh, I would say, don't be afraid to do that. I think a lot of times we're waiting on that Damascus Road lightning bolt call or we're waiting on basically God to just roll out the red carpet and everything to align for us to know, okay, this is where I step forward and go. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't think it's always that way. Sometimes you feel like God's leading you to take one step and then you'll see another step and then you'll see another step. So don't, don't feel like you've got to have it all planned out. I think very rarely in the Bible does he show anybody that it's all planned out. And, right? and probably if, he, if we did know it was all planned out, it would freak us out and we... <laughs> We would True be out. We don't want to have anything to do with that. Yes. So I would, I would say whenever you do feel like God's calling you to take that step, take the step. Don't feel like you have to know 10 steps down the road. Just take that step. Take the next step. Yep. That's so good. Okay, so for people who might want to know more about Underground Coffee, we gave them the website earlier, but is there anything else you would want to let people know about how they can get involved with Underground Coffee or p- ways that they can partner with you? Yeah, you can go to the website. Uh, there's some stories. I need to write another blog. I've... <laughs> I'll get on that at some point. Uh, there's there's also an opportunity to buy coffee. So any of the coffee that is bought, I call it the Girl Scout model. So like you nice. buy, well, you buy Girl Scout cookies, and some of that money goes to support whatever Girl Scouts do. I don't know. Wasn't yes. a Girl Scout, 
But we do the same thing with coffee. So you can buy coffee on there, and basically the money that's generated from the sale of that coffee goes directly to supporting the ministry overseas, which the goal is is that we'll connect that loop and bring the coffee from where we are into the U.S. market in wow. the next couple of years. That's so, incredible. Yeah. So good. Thank you so much for joining us today. Let us hear a little bit about your story and ways that we can get involved in what you're doing. And I'll be going to be ordering some coffee myself today. Right. So thanks for joining us, Brian. Thanks. Thanks.